Lord, we thank you for each and every person that you brought here tonight. We pray that your spirit would just rest on each of us tonight. Father, that you would open up new dimensions, help us to see things differently, and open our eyes, and Lord, empower our spirits, and let power flow through us and to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, um, would you turn to 1 Peter chapter 2? We're just going to kind of jump right in tonight. And Danny said that he was going to prophesy over all the new students. I need to get done soon enough so we'll have time so he can be done by morning. Verse 4, chapter 2 of 1 Peter. Are you there? Coming to, you're not there. Hmm, okay. And coming to him as living stones. Turn to someone and say, you are a living stone. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Which has been rejected by, my, by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. Say, I'm a holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. For this is contained in scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice, a choice stone, a precious cornerstone. He who believes in him shall not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. And the stone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Bill talked about that today, didn't he? For they stumbled because they because of their disobedient because they were disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. Verse nine. But you are a chosen race. Everybody say chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for God's own possession. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. And um, tonight I want to talk to you about being a royal priesthood, a holy nation. How many of you know that you're a holy nation, a royal priesthood? You know, what does that mean in our lives? What does it mean to be a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation? You know, we've talked about this many times. Some of you are new here tonight. But how many of you know, when you received Jesus Christ, you became a full-time minister? Many of you came tonight, or you came to the school ministry, so that, and, and we hear this, we, we see it on our applications, and we hear it in lots of interviews. I want to be in full-time ministry. Now, I want to tell you something. When you received Jesus, you became a full-time minister. Did you see the list that I read you? You're a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession. Did you notice that there was nobody in there who wasn't a royal priesthood? Did you notice it didn't say, well, there's the royal priesthood, and then there's the lay people? I want to tell you something. There's no such thing as lay people in the body of Christ. In fact, Jesus said in the book of Revelation, I hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, and the word Nicolaitan means conqueror of the lay people. And they are the people who separated the body of Christ into two categories, those who minister and those who get ministered to. Do you understand that 
that, that, it's, that, we, that we're moving from the ministry to the saints to the ministry of the saints. And when Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few, how many of you know that was a commentary on his day, but it's not a commentary on our day? The harvest, as soon as, the har- as, soon as, the, as soon as someone is harvested, they immediately become a laborer. Did you get that? You move from being, being harvested, you're a sinner, and when you get saved, you become a saint. You move right into the royal priesthood, and how many of you know that the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher, were, were in the, they're in the body to equip the saints to do the work of service. So who's supposed to do the work of service? Come on. Who's supposed to do the work of service? The saints. I no longer believe in the five-fold ministry. I believe that there's a six-fold ministry. There's the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and the saints. Are you with me? So as soon as you become as soon as you receive Jesus, you immediately become a laborer in the field. You know, if you receive Jesus, you have something to give. Well, who would I disciple? Somebody who doesn't know, yet know Jesus. If you're one day old, you can lead someone who's no day old. You see where I'm going, right? That the harvest becomes the laborers. So the truth is, is that the harvest is plentiful and so are the laborers. Because everybody who gets harvested becomes a laborer. Okay. Did you get that? Turn to Daniel 7 and I want to just... I've done this, uh, shared on this several times before, but I just want to do it again. Verse 9, I love these, some of my very favorite verses in the Bible. I kept looking until the thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were burning fire. (laughs) I don't wonder what that means. I like it though because there's cars in heaven. (laughs) A fire, a river of fire was flowing. Who wants to go swimming? And coming out from before him and thousands upon thousands were attending him mirrors upon mirrors were standing before him the court sat and the books were open then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking I kept looking until this beast was slain and its body was destroyed and given to the burning fire everybody say yeah Yeah. as as for the rest of the beast their dominion was taken away everybody say their dominion was taken away but an extension of life was granted to them say that for an appointed period of time verse 13 I kept looking in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven one like the son of man was coming and he came to the ancient of days and he was presented before him and to him was given dominion everybody say dominion Dominion. glory everybody say glory. glory and a kingdom everybody say kingdom that all peoples and nations and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. 
As for me, Daniel, my spirit was distressed within me, and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. I approached the one who was standing by and began asking him the exact meaning of all this, and he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. These great beasts, which are four in number, which we didn't read about, are kings who will rise from the earth. But look at this, verse 18. But the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever for all ages to come. Now, this is interesting verses, and I believe that this is a prophetic declaration. Daniel looked ahead into the future, and he saw a vision. And he was taken into the, in heavenly places, and he saw, and what he saw was, um, was a, the Son of Man coming, and he, and he came to the Ancient of Days, and he was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. Are you with me? Dominion, glory, and a kingdom. Now it's interesting because Daniel says he didn't know what it meant. And an, and an angel, he said, one who was standing by me came and told me what it meant. First of all, I want to say this. I believe that that angel is the spirit of revelation. I believe that God sends angels oftentimes to people to explain his visions and his dreams. And, and, for, and Hebrews 1 says that angels are ministering spirits and they are there to serve the saints. And I believe that one of the ways they serve the saints is to explain the visions and dreams to people. I believe that when Paul prayed for a spirit of revelation in Ephesians chapter 1, that he was literally praying for an, a, 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 for an angel, much like the angel that was in Daniel's life, to come and, and give revelatory, a revelatory anointing to the church. Now that's just my opinion. I know the Holy Spirit leads us in all, to all truth, but I, also, I can also see that Daniel was not taught by the Holy Spirit in this case. He was actually taught by an angel. How many of you like to be taught by an angel? That's good. And, the angel, and he says to the angel, he says, my spirit was distressed. Hey, you know, um, I think there's a lot of paradigm breaking in the book of Daniel. Because oftentimes, like, we have this idea, like when God talks to you, how it feels and how it looks. You know, three times in the book of Daniel, it, it says that when Daniel received the vision, one time it says that Daniel was sick for days. How many of you know if you saw a vision and you were sick for days, you wouldn't think it was God? How many of you, if you had a vision, you would think, well, if it was from God, I would have peace. But Daniel said, I was what? Distressed. <laughs> Just a thought. Sometimes we develop paradigms that aren't God's. How many of you know what I mean? We used to teach people that prophecy was only for confirmation. Do you, how many of you know that oftentimes we teach the body of Christ things to keep them safe, but it's really a reaction to some bad experience we had with somebody else. So we change the Bible so that nobody can get hurt and we give people just enough of the gospel to get, keep them from the real thing. I don't know if you got all that, but... We used to teach people that prophecy was strictly for confirmation. In other words, if you got a prophecy, it had to confirm something you are, that God already talked to you about. But if you read the Bible, you'll find that God oftentimes talked to, prophesied over people, and when they prophesied over them, the people were stunned. For, instantly, for instance, Saul who was later on King Saul, when Samuel told him that he was going to be king, he was, he was shocked, he was stunned. How many of you know it wasn't a word of confirmation? It was something that according to him, he had never thought about. 
Oftentimes, God prophesies to us things we've never thought about. In fact, it's one of the reasons why God prophesies to us. And it's the reason why God talks to us through other people, because oftentimes, he's tried to tell us privately, but we won't hear it. I don't know if you're getting this at all. Listen, all through the Bible, God prophesied things to people that were not confirmation. In fact, I bet you that, although I haven't done a study, I bet you three quarters of the time when God prophesied over people, it was the first time they'd ever heard that idea. Man, I see Africa over you. Well, that can't be, that can't be me. I've never liked Africa. That's why it's a prophecy. Prophecy is foretelling and forthtelling. Foretelling means I'm telling you the future, and forthtelling means I'm causing the future. How many of you know that the value you place on the word determines the power you receive from it? You receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. You receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you leave, receive a what? You know, the Bible says that in the, in the abundance of counselors, there's victory. How many of you know that counselors are righteous men, righteous women? If you receive a prophet in the name of a righteous counselor, how many of you know you won't receive the prophet's grace that changes the circumstances? I don't know if you got what I just said. It's important for us to judge prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14 says that we'll let, one or let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. So the first thing we need to do is make sure that when we hear the word of the Lord that we pass judgment and we make sure that it's the word of the Lord. Got me? From there on, when, when, if God says he wants you to, I don't know, do this crazy thing and you, and you determine by, the word, by discernment that it's the word of the Lord. How many of you know that if you get five counselors around you, even though it says in the abundance of counselors there's victory, how many of you know if you get five counselors around you to ask them if this makes sense, if it's a prophecy that's too big for you, how many of you know that it's not going to make sense? You guys are having a hard time with me tonight, I can see that. You can't judge prophecy with your intellect. Your mind will go, we don't even like to do that. We don't like Africa. We have 14 children. How are we all going to get them all there? We can't do that. No, we got to wait. No, we can't do that. We don't want, we don't like this. How many of you know that your mind, your mind will give you the facts? But how many know that the truth overrides the facts? So when, oftentimes, um, there's uh, eight of us who, who are senior leaders in, in this church, and someday I hope to introduce them all to you. You know, we'll be talking about something and in interacting about whatever it is, from the finances to children's church to staff to the churches we oversee. I mean, we meet twice a week, and we just... Once in a while, in those meetings, somebody will have the word of the Lord. This is what we're supposed to do. Once someone has the word of the Lord and we judge it to be the word of the Lord, guess what? The other men's opinions don't matter because God told us what we're supposed to do. Now, where we go from there is figuring out how we're supposed to do it. Now we can have the abundance counselors to help us know how we're supposed to do it. But 
the conversation about what we're supposed to do is over. Well, this doesn't seem like the best decision. If God told us to do it, it's the best decision. Are you understanding what I'm getting at? Sometimes people will come to, uh, to a prophet, to prophetic people, and they'll sit down, I've had this happen many times to me, and they'll sit down and they'll say, you know, I've come to ask you about what you feel like I should do about such and such. The first thing I want to do is, I want to find out what role, what, what, what seat am I sitting in when I'm talking to them? You don't even know what I'm talking about, right? If they relate to me like a righteous man, then I'm going to make sure that they get a righteous man's reward, which is really good counsel. Because if I say, thus saith the Lord, and they're checking with ten other people, that puts them in a very strange predicament. Because now they're going to say, they go to Danny and they say, you know, I was in Chris's office, and he said, the Lord says that I'm to do such and such. What do you think I should do? How many of you know it puts Danny in a strange predicament as the next consultant because they just said that, that Chris said this is the word of the Lord. How is he going to argue with the word of the Lord? And secondly, if it is the word of the Lord, it puts him in a strange predicament because the only, the only thing that he's to do is to judge if it's the word of the Lord. He's not, he, he, he doesn't have the, the right, let's say that, let's just say for a second that for sure we know it's God, okay? Can we, I understand that it takes a little bit to get there. If he knows for sure it's God, it may not make any sense except for it's God. When they get to his office, the only thing he can do is say, well, I believe that's God. It takes him out of the, are, are, am, I, am I making sense? So if they come into my office and they say, you know, I, I've been, I, I talked to Danny, and I talked to Banny, and I, I talked to, you know, John and Henry, and, you know, the Bible says in abundance of counselors, there's victory, and, you know, I've got this thing going on in my life, and, you know, I'd like to get your input, too. How many of you know that's not really the time to prophesy to them? That's the time for me to give them the counsel, maybe a word of wisdom. Because you become accountable to a prophetic word. Do you understand what I'm getting at? When God, when you are, when the Lord gives you a prophetic word, that word, it says that when Joseph received a word that he was going to go, when he, that he was going to be ruler, it says that the word of the Lord tested Joseph until his word came to pass. Do you understand that? Are you, okay, so it's not clear, right? There are counsel words that you get from people that is wisdom. And then there's the word of the Lord that you're there, that's there for you to obey. In one sense, once God gives you his opinion, you don't have a right to another one. But remember, if the, if the Lord's gonna speak to you on this level, he's not gonna do that until he believes that you're responsible. The Lord's not gonna tell you. Listen, let's say that he said, you, you say to your child, you say to your, your teenager, I want you to cut the lawn. He doesn't cut the lawn. You come home, he doesn't cut the lawn, say, I want you to clean your bedroom now. He doesn't clean his bedroom. You know, now I want you to take out the garbage. Every time I give him more to do and he doesn't do it, how many know that he gets guiltier and guiltier and guiltier? Do you understand that if he hasn't cut the lawn, I'm not going to give him something else to do? For his sake, because all it does is increase the case against him. 
Are you with me? The Lord knows my heart. Well, you know, the Lord never talks to me. No, he talks to you all the time. Well, I don't, I don't hear him clearly. Well, when you obey clearly, you'll hear him clearer. Do you know why the Lord spoke in parables? A lot of people believe that, God spoke, that Jesus spoke in parables so that he could use natural illustrations to illustrate heavenly truths. But actually, according to Matthew 13, he told his disciples, I spoke to them in parables so that while seeing they won't see and while hearing they won't hear. Did you get that? He spoke to them in parables, literally, not so they would hear, but so they wouldn't hear. Well, why did he speak to them at all? Because there's always some hungry people in the crowd. When God speaks in riddles, they still get it. Well, why did, why did he hide truth? Because he didn't want them. He didn't want people who didn't have a heart for him to be responsible for treasures that they would not value. In fact, he said it this way. I don't, I don't, pour, I don't give pearls. I don't put pearls before swine. He wasn't saying, well, you're all swine. He's simply saying, I don't give something valuable to somebody who doesn't value it. Why? Because it makes them more responsible and then they get judged for what they know. James says, to he that knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, to him it's what? If you don't know the right thing to do and you do the wrong thing, is that sin? No, it's called a mistake. Wow, we were having a... If you do the wrong thing with the right heart, that's not called sin. Sin is a heart problem. That's called a mistake. Are you with me? Sin means you knew it was wrong and you did it anyway. Got that? If God gives you a plain word and he says, thus saith the Lord, and you don't have a heart to obey, guess what it does? It makes you guilty. Is God trying to make you guilty or innocent? He died on the cross so you would become what? Innocent. So is he going to, after he dies on the cross for you, do things to try to make you guilty? No, it's the reason why he hides truth so that not, he, doesn't hide it for, he doesn't hide it from you, he hides it for you. But why does he hide it? Because as soon as you know it, you're responsible for it. So in the process of finding truth, in the, get this, in the process of finding truth, God says, I have something for you, come look. And you have to work the process of finding truth, and in the process of finding the truth, your heart becomes prepared to receive it. You get prepared to live out the truth through the process of finding it. It's in the discovery that cre creates the hunger and the character for you to be ready to walk out the word. How come I don't hear from God very much? Oh no, he's talking to you all the time. He's talking in a language that you will have to, you will have to listen. You know, how come he doesn't talk to me in an audible voice? Because you couldn't handle the responsibility of a God who speaks to you that clearly. Think of what kind of responsibility it would be if God spoke to you in an audible voice. <laughs> Some people are like, 
God speaks to them audibly all the time. And I'm like, I don't believe you. <laughs> God tells me when to go to the bathroom. He, <laughs> whatever. Have you ever thought of why does God speak to you when you're asleep? Why does he speak to you in dreams and visions? Why doesn't he, and have you ever noticed that most often when he speaks to you in dream or a vision that it's in hieroglyphics? Are you guys lost or you're not being very encouraging. I guess you're just listening. Yay, Chris. Thank you. That, that helped. I did it right there. Do you know when God speaks, have you noticed that when God speaks to you in dreams and visions, most commonly it's in hieroglyphics? It's in symbols. And you're like, gosh, what does that mean? I saw a red car and it was a convertible and gosh, it was so vivid though. I know it was from God. What's the next thing you need to know? What does it mean? Why doesn't, just, why doesn't God just say, I'm put, you know, the red car. It has the convertible. Why doesn't God say, I'm giving you the ministry of an evangelist. That's why the car's red. It's the blood of Jesus. And it's a convertible because you have an open heaven over you. And, you know, on like that. Why does he, why does he just do it in symbols? Because then he gets to be your tutor. And he gets to build a relationship with you so that while you're learning what he said, you're learning what he's like. You almost have to build a relationship with heaven to know what he means. <laughs> As a matter of fact, any ministry that takes you out of relationship is a false ministry. You know what a false prophet is? It's somebody that leads you to him instead of to Christ. Do you notice that the false prophet in the book of Acts chapter 16 that was speaking about Paul, she was yelling, these are great men of God. Do you know she had the right word and the wrong heart? Do you know that false prophets often have the right word? That's another good word right there. You know, sometimes true prophets have the wrong word in the right heart. <laughs> That's why you have to judge prophecy. Do you know that any ministry that takes away your need for Jesus is false ministry? Yesterday I was ministering someplace, I guess it was the day before, and the Lord said, this is the goal of your ministry today. I said, okay, that they would, that they would see me and not you. Well, I like attention. <laughs> that you would lead them to me and not to you. You know, sometimes you go in for counseling and the counselor needs to be needed so bad that he gives you or she gives you just enough to get the, rid of the problem but not enough to know how they got there. You know what a false counselor is? Somebody that when you have another problem, you need them again. See, the goal is always to equip the saints to do the work of service. 
And the end of that is that the body, according to Ephesians chapter four, the body builds itself up in love. Let me read it to you right here because you got that look. I'm gonna read it to you, listen to this. It says that he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, equipped the saints to do the work of service. Listen to this. But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects of him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself. Everybody say, itself. In love. He gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of service to the building of the body of Christ. Until, how long did he give apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Until, until we all attain to the unity of faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. And then he goes on to say, you'll no longer be, if the apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, one of the manifestations of them, you won't be tricked by doctrine and every wind of doctrine and, and deceitful schemings. But what you will do is that you will be, you will grow up in all aspects of love. You'll be joined to the body and the, the fruit that there is true fivefold ministry in your life, truly activated in your life, follow me, there's a difference between I, I am exposed to fivefold ministry and I'm actually in a place where there's a culture of a foundation of apostolic ministry. Because if you are in a culture where there's true apostolic ministry, the fruit of it is, is not that you come to the apostle, that you come to the prophet, that you come to the evangelist, pastor, and teacher. But if, you, if, you're getting, if you're receiving true fivefold ministry, you're being equipped to help the person that you are connected to in... It says, what every joint supplies. What is, what, is the, what is the fruit that you're actually receiving healthy ministry? You're being equipped to help the people that you're connected with. How do you know if, if something comes in your life for instance, if someone's sick in your family, how do you know if you're the one who's supposed to pray for them? Very simply, they're in your family. How do you know if you're supposed to lead someone to Christ? Well, if they came into your presence unsaved, then they're connected to your joint. Which means you're supposed to, what? You're supposed to complete the ecosystem, which is you got equipped, to do the work of service and the body begins to build itself up. Are you getting this? On our, on our teams, what, one of the things I like on our deliverance teams that Danny and the team leads, our counseling teams, uh, what I love about what they do is they don't just get people free from torment, demonic activity and all the bondages that people get in but as they're getting people free, they're telling them, they're teaching them the process of freedom so that next time they get in bondage, they can get themselves free. And when they go home, how many know that everyone who's in bad bondage has friends who are in bad bondage because misery loves company? 
So you help one person get free, and if you take them through the process of freedom, and you go, listen, this is the reason why that spirit attached to you, this is the reason why that depression's in your life, and you take them through the reasons why they're getting free, guess what? Now they can go home, and they have 12 other lepers who all need deliverance. They don't all have to come to the counseling center because the goal is for the body, the body of Christ to build itself up in love. Are you... Are you getting this? The goal isn't that you come to church. The goal is that you become the church. And the goal isn't that you come, we talked about this, not uh, I think last week or the week before. The, the goal isn't that you come to the pool of Bethesda. Jesus never said you are a pool. He's, he didn't say, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, a pool of Bethesda will be built in your life. No, he said a river. A river will flow from your soul. How many of you know the goal isn't to get people here to get saved? The goal is for you to get equipped, get, to get them saved wherever the river goes. There's another good word right there. Man, you need the Lord. You need to come to church. No, they came to church. They're in your presence. You are the church. Somebody said the church isn't a building, but that's not true. The church is a building, and you're the living stones. You're the living stones. When they came into your presence, they came into the church. I do believe that you need to bring people to church so they can get saved. So everywhere you go, bring them to the church. I actually think you should bring the church to them. It's kind of a mobile church unit. It's a mobile home. How many of you are getting this? I guess we're back to Daniel. So Daniel has this vision, and in this vision he sees, um, he sees uh, the clouds of heaven, Son of Man's coming, and then he sees that the Ancient of Days gave the Son of Man dominion, glory, and a kingdom. And he makes a statement that his dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom was one which will not be destroyed. And Daniel says, it says, Daniel says, I was distressed. When I saw this, I was distressed in my spirit. How many of you have ever felt distressed in your spirit before? How many of you have ever felt distressed over a kingdom thing in your spirit? Sometimes, sometimes the Lord gives you something. I can tell you this happened to me many times. I've had a vision or I've had a dream, and my distress isn't that I think something's going wrong. My distress is in the fact that I feel like it's something important, but I don't know what it means. How many of you have ever had that I don't know what it means thing? And so Daniel's in that position. He's not thinking there's something going wrong. He's distressed because he doesn't know what it means. And he says, he asked the Lord, show me what this means. And when he asked the Lord to show me what this means, an angel comes to him and begins to explain to him the vision. Now, this is so like so many visions because in verse 18 it says, the saints of the highest one will receive a kingdom and possess the kingdom forever. Now the interesting thing is, if you got the chance to read the whole vision, you'll notice that there's nowhere in the vision that says that the saints of the highest one will receive a kingdom. It actually says the Son of Man will receive a kingdom. And he says, who is the Son of Man? And he goes, oh, those are the saints of the highest one. You understand that there's revelation, interpretation, and application. Revelation, what did God say? Interpretation, what does it mean? Do you know, in, in this case, in my opinion, that if the angel would have not interpreted the dream, 
the vision? If the angel would have not interpreted the vision, we would still be saying the Son of Man was Jesus Christ. And in this part, in this vision, the Son of Man was not Jesus Christ, it was the saints. In fact, if you read on, you'll find out that it was the saints and Christ as the head. Okay, let's read on. <laughs> Good word. Too late. Verse 19, I desired to know the exact meaning of the beast, which we didn't read, the ten horns. Verse 20, verse 21, I kept looking, and the horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. Everybody say, boo. Until. Everybody say, until. Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the Highest One and the time arrived for the saints to take possession of the kingdom. Now that's a pretty amazing verse because how many of you know that that word until is a transition word? You know, the children of Israel, they, they, were, in the pro they, I'm sorry, they were in the wilderness and the, when they crossed the River Jordan, how many of you know that when they crossed the River Jordan, they came into the promises, all the promises that had promised to them for seven, several hundred years, when they crossed the River Jordan, I mean, literally, it was a river. It was, it was literally a natural place in the earth. Are you with me? I'm not saying it was a metaphor. I'm saying it literally was a natural place. But what they didn't realize is that when they crossed the River Jordan, not only was it a natural place, some place that you could see with your physical eyes, but in the spirit world, it was a place of demarcation. And when they crossed over the River Jordan, everything changed. I don't know how wide it was, but let's say it was, a, let's say it was 30 feet wide. When they, moved, when they moved 30 feet across the River Jordan, their whole life changed. And God said, welcome to the promised land. Are you with me? This word says that I kept looking and the horn was waging war with the saints and he was overpowering them until. How many know that is a huge until? Because we're moving from the, from the, the, the horn, the devil, waging war and winning, wearing out the saints, controlling the saints, having power over saints until and then when this big until, when they crossed over the until, listen to this. Here's what it says. Until the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. And look what happened. Verse 26. The court sat for judgment, and his dominion was taken away and annihilated and destroyed forever. Now follow me. I want you to notice that it says his dominion. It doesn't say he was destroyed. And if you go back to verse 12 that we read earlier, it says, as for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them. Follow me. I want you to notice that there's a difference between them being destroyed and their dominion being destroyed. It says that their dominion was destroyed, but they got to live. Why did they get to live? I'm going to tell you why they got to live. They got to live because they've tormented the earth for thousands of years. And then God takes away their dominion, and he goes, now... you're going to get some of your own medicine. Now the tormentors are going to, now the people you've tormented are going to become your tormentors. And they're going to be stepping on your head. And you're going to be homeless. Because every time you find a home, they're not going to ask you to leave. They're going to cast you out. They're going to throw you out. 
You're going to be powerless for who knows how long. Maybe thousands of years. And you're going to run around going, rah! And people are going to go, poof, shut up, get out of here. <laughs> and the Lord says, he tormented you. Now I'm taking away all his authority and all his power. And now your job, torment him. This is part of his hell and your heaven. Part of his hell is he ran around controlling everybody and now everybody controls him. Look at this. But the court will sit for judgment. His dominion will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever. Listen to this. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His dominion will be an everlasting, I'm sorry, his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions will serve and obey him. Now that's a good word right there. Now, I think the really important thing here is to know what the until means. Because would it be a drag, let's say that, let's say that somebody died 20 years ago and they left you 15 million dollars and they put it in your account but no one ever told you and let's say that your daughter had a staph infection and you were very poor and you went to the hospital and they said you know this is going to cost forty thousand dollars to do this operation otherwise we're just going to have to amputate and you didn't have the money you didn't know you had the money so you had her leg amputated and then you were living in the ghetto because that's all you knew that you could do. And so you're living in the ghetto and your son's walking home from school and he gets knifed. And your children are harassed and beat up and, you, and, and, you're, and your house is being robbed and this goes on and on and on. And, and then one day you go to the bank, you get this little tip and you find out that you've had 15 million dollars in your account for 20 years but you didn't know it now how would it be if the person who was supposed to tell you was the banker and the banker didn't tell you you think you might be a little mad not only that but in my story you're the head of the pro-life division in your in your city but the banker he is an abortionist and he's been using your money to fund abortions he's been he's intentionally kept you from knowing so that he can take what's yours and fund what's his you think you'd be a little mad if you found out that the money has been in there for 20 years and you had children lose legs, lose lives, you've lived in the ghetto, you put your family through hell, all because the banker, all because the theologian told you it was not in your account. Would you be a little mad if you live like this when you had all the resources to live like that because the banker, the theologian, lied to you? How about if not only he lied to you, but he used your resources that are supposed to be yours to fund his stuff? 
if you read these, this verse and somebody taught you that this is supposed to be for the millennium and you have submitted yourself to a powerless enemy and let him overpower you and run from him and steal from your children and beat up your wife and destroy your marriage and thrash your kids and make your people sick all because the banker told you that that until hasn't happened yet it might make you a little upset if you someone taught you that that was for a thousand years from now it's in the millennium see that's not for you what would happen if you found out that that's been in your account all along and you've been running from the scarecrow you think it might make you a little mad so don't you think that it'd be really important to know when the money is coming to our account because the truth is it says that he wore down the saints and took, until the saints took possession of the kingdom. And listen to this. And the court will sit for judgment. His dominion will be taken away annihilated forever. Listen to this. And then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions will serve and obey him. Now that's pretty big. So it's kind of important that you know when you cross the River Jordan because you don't want to find out that the wagon crossed the Jordan while you were asleep and you're still living in the promised land. I mean, and you're living in the promised land, but you're living there thinking you're in the wilderness. And you're wandering around in the promised land, get this, and you're seeing all these beautiful cities that you've been promised, and they go, no, no, those, those aren't yours. Those are for another generation, not for you. And guess what? What's worse is you're cutting the lawn of the people you're supposed to be driving out. You're helping them take care of their yard, and it's your house. You're working at the pig farm and your dad owns General Motors and you're working down at McDonald's because nobody told you that you're supposed to be vice president. It would be kind of important to know when the until is because if you read any commentary you read commentaries on this verses you'll find out that the banker thinks that this until is the millennium even though it doesn't say millennium anywhere I'm gonna tell you why the banker thinks that it's the millennium because the banker The banker wants all the good stuff to be in the millennium 
so that you don't have to be responsible to rule the world. Because the banker doesn't have faith to believe that if you had all that money, you would actually use it wisely. So he's all right with having a form of godliness as long as you don't have any power. You can sit in the car, just don't start her up. Someday you'll be able to start it up in the millennium. So I did a little study because I didn't think the banker was right. Because I get, I'm getting all these impressions that that's my money and I want it now. So I noticed that there was two things that marked the until. Because he said, okay, the horn was waging war against the saints and overpowering them. Until the ancient of days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of highest one. Now the first thing I noticed is that there was some kind of a court case. So the first thing that marked this until is that there was a court case that a judge sat at and he made a decree that we, we are free and that we have a kingdom. Okay, so point one, how do I know when I get wet? I just crossed the River Jordan. How do I know if I'm wet? First thing is, I know because a judge made a decree for me. Okay, Colossians said that, the, that all of the certificate, I'm sorry, all of the decrees that were against us were canceled in court. And I talked to a friend of mine who's a Greek scholar, and he said that word decree is only used, this, the specific word decree is only used in court cases that it is a, a how do you say it? Word. When I say jujitsu, it sounds like something you do with, you know, Karachi and jujitsu. <laughs> he told me that that word is only used in the court system. And so, what's the point? When Jesus died on the cross, how many of you know he paid for all of your sin? Justice was fulfilled in the courts of heaven, and decrees were canceled that were against us. The court sat for judgment, decrees were canceled, and we received a kingdom. The second thing is, listen to this, it says Matthew 16, 28, Jesus said this, truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here will not taste of death until they see the Son of Man coming in his what? Kingdom. Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world. What does it say? What's the second part? It says, the court will sit for judgment, and the time arrived when the saints took possession of the what? Kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. You can't see the kingdom unless you're born again. <laughs> you didn't get that, did you? This is a little bit like charades. Mark 12, 34, when Jesus saw that the man answered intelligently, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. In Luke 4, verse 43, he, Jesus said to him, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. Luke 9, verse 
Two, he said he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. Luke 10, 9, heal those who are sick and say to them, the kingdom has come near you. Luke 12, 31, but seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Luke 12, 32, do not be afraid, little flock, for the Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Come on, it's always the right word. Acts 1.3, to these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proof, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Acts 8.12, but when, the, when they had believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women alike. Acts 19.8, he entered the synagogue, continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Acts 20 verse 25, and now behold, I, I, I know that, uh, I know you, uh, that, uh, that it, and then, then he said this, and now behold, I know that all of you among whom I sent out preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Colossians 1 13, for he rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Here we go. And he transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Listen to this. I'm not done yet. Hebrews 12, 28, therefore, since we have received a which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God acceptable sacrifices and service and reverence. What's the point? Listen, when Jesus died on the cross, the decrees that were against you were canceled because it was a court case because J Jesus provided justice on the cross so God could release mercy. And then he said, come and enter the kingdom. Since we've received a kingdom, we were transferred out of darkness and into the kingdom of God. It was the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What's the point? Daniel said, listen, until the ancient of the days came, judgment was passed in favor of the saints, and the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. When did the saints take possession of the kingdom? More than 2,000 years ago, the money's been in your bank account for 2,000 years. And listen to this. And then, when? When is then? When is then? Until. Until. These are, these are timing words. Until. Then. When then? When the saints received the kingdom. When the time arrived for the saints to receive a kingdom. And then he says, then the sovereignty. Everybody say sovereignty. The dominion. No, you got to say the dominion, the and, the and the greatness of all the kingdoms, all the kingdoms under, the whole heaven, under the whole heaven will be given, will be given to, the people, to the people, to the people, to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions. All dominions, all dominions will serve, will serve and, obey and obey him. That money is already in your account. The banker's been lying to you. That's in your account. That's why in Matthew 28, Jesus falls that word up. Daniel said there's coming a time. Jesus said this is the time. See, Daniel said, I see a time when the court will sit for judgment 
and his, and, and his dominion will be taken away, annihilated forever. And then, and, and then the saints will receive a kingdom. And they'll receive dominion, authority, and sovereignty. And all the kingdoms under the, whole, under the whole heaven will serve these dominion people, these people who have taken dominion. Daniel says, I see it coming. I'm distressed in my spirit. I see it coming. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on has been given to me. Daniel said, I see it coming. Jesus said, I, it happened. It's been given to me. Therefore, you go. Therefore, why? Because the until is in me. I just entilled for you. Got the keys. Got the keys. I entilled for you. Daniel said, I see it coming. Jesus said, I receive that for myself. And then he said, not just for myself, but for you. See, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on. That's a revelation, that second part. And on earth. Why? Because the, the saints were overpowered by the horn. The devil. When Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven, no revelation. When he said on earth, they would have been shocked. Why? Because they've been ruled by a vicious, merciless devil who has wore them out. Why is he wearing them out? Because he had more power than they had in the old covenant. And Jesus said, I just until. Therefore, you go and make disciples of what? He didn't say make disciples in all nations. He said make disciples of all nations. You know why he said make disciples of all nations? Because of this. But the court will sit for judgment. His dominion will be taken away and annihilated forever. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people, the saints, the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. Listen to this. In all, everybody say in all, all. the dominions will serve and obey him. <laughs> Listen, I just entailed for you guys. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations. Do you know why they have to make disciples of nations? Because they were someone else's disciples. The horn. Read the whole chapter. The horn was ruling kings. Who's ruling kings now? You are. I don't even know a king. Well, you better make some friends. You got friends in lower places than you. You were born to rule the world. Do you know where kings get their authority? You. Do you know where you get authority? God. Do you know where kings get their authority? From God, through you. I don't believe that. We don't have to, it's in the Bible. You keep talking to your banker and you'll keep living in the ghetto. And you keep wondering why you have to amputate your kid's leg instead of get them well. It's because you put the until way off. And when you find out, when you get to heaven, that you were supposed to live on this side of the until, you're going to be really mad. And so are your kids. You're living below your destiny. And most importantly, 
it's costing the nations. Okay, turn to Romans 8. I'll prove to you it's costing the nations. So far I've been right. You have a right to my opinion. <laughs> Verse 18, chapter 8. Can someone hand me some Kleenex, please? Thank you. <laughs> Dude, I could cover up with this much Kleenex. Notice how you didn't hear it? It's called experience. You know how you get experience? Let's move on. Verse 18. <laughs> For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the what? Glory that is to be. Why do they read that at funerals when it doesn't have anything to do with dying? Wouldn't it be a bummer if they read that at your funeral and you found out 20 seconds after you got to heaven, they were supposed to have read that at your birth? Wouldn't it be a bummer if you found out that the sufferings that you endured in birth were supposed to give you glory and you didn't get any because someone told you it was at your death? <laughs> Just a thought. For anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. What is creation waiting for? All I want you to do is tell me what the Bible says. The revealing of the what? For creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, because him who subjected it. In hope that creation itself would be set free from slavery to corruption into freedom. Of the glory of what? The children of God. Okay, let's talk about that for a minute. What's he saying? He's saying that creation was subjected to fertility. What's he talking about? That means, you know the word vanity? in the book of Ecclesiastes where do you know that the book of Ecclesiastes was never written to be true? Well, that messed somebody up. <laughs> the book of Ecclesiastes wasn't written to be true. It was written to show you what happens when the wisest man in the world lose relationship with God. That's why he ends almost every chapter with it's all vain. And that word vain there means it, in that particular in that particular chapter, in, the, in that particular book, that word vanity means a life without purpose. Do you know what creation is under? Creation is living a purposeless life. You know why? Because creation was designed to reveal the glory of God and the glory of the children of God. But you know what happened? When Adam fell, what happened to the ground? What was the curse of woman? She's going to give childbirth. She's going to have pain in childbirth. What was the curse of the snake? He's going to crawl on the ground and eat the dust. But what was the curse of men? You're going to toil, but the ground's going to yield what? Thorns. Why? Because the ground was cursed. And you know what the curse was? It was supposed to be really revealing the glory, but it was revealing weeds. You know why? Because of who it was subjected to. Adam subjected the earth to a new leader. God said to Adam and Eve in, in Genesis chapter 1, he said, be fruitful and multiply and what? 
take dominion over the earth. God gave dominion to the earth to who? Adam. But what happened? God said, don't eat the tree. But the devil came in and said, eat the tree. What did he do? He ate the tree. And you know what happened? He came under another master and everything he was in charge of came under that master. So guess who ruled the earth? Follow me. The earth, creation itself, was the re- creation is supposed to be revealing the glory of what? The children of God, it says. That's what it says. But what did Adam do? He took the earth, which he was supposed to cultivate. Remember Eden? God planted a garden, and he told Adam to cultivate the garden. In other words, the garden was supposed to grow, and the beauty of the garden was supposed to give glory to God. But when he fell, what did the garden yield? It yielded weeds. Why? Because there was another master over the earth. Are you with me? Now what's happened? Now what's happened is that when Jesus died on the cross, justice happened in the blood, which means God could release mercy. And all the curses, according to Galatians 3, every man who hangs on a cross is cursed. Therefore, he became a curse for us that he, so that we could be a what? A blessing. What's supposed to happen? Creation is supposed to be released from the curse. And then what does it do? Creation begins to do what it was supposed to be doing in the first place, which is revealing the what? The glory. What is keeping the earth from revealing the glory? The banker. Okay, look. You guys aren't getting this, are you? I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that's what? To be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the what? Revealing of the what? Sons of God. What releases creation from this futility? The revealing of the what? Sons of God. As long as you believe your sinners and paupers, creation is staggering under Adam's curse when it's supposed to be living in Christ's blessing. The banker is lying to you and creation is paying for it. You go, what do you mean by that? I mean, when you find out who you are, then creation will be released into its destiny, which is showing off the glory of the children of the king. It lives in vanity. It lives a purposeless life, all vanity. And it's waiting for you to have a purpose, so it does. Because its purpose is in you. And your purpose is in God. Creation's purpose is in you, and yours is in God. So ultimately, creation's purpose is in God. Because it's revealing the sons, the glory of the sons of God, and the sons of God are revealing the glory of their king. So how many know ultimately this ecosystem means that everyone is revealing the glory of God? Because the glory that it's revealing is yours, but yours is his. But until you know it, you screw up the ecosystem. 
because you are supposed to receive glory that gives him glory but when you don't know who you are you sabotage the ground and you make the earth live without purpose because you are And because you are a higher creation than this creation, remember you have a name that's above every name? Everything's under your feet? It can't rise above you. Okay. That's a good word right there. I'll tell you what, when I read this stuff, I get excited. My only question is like, how do I do this? I'm reading these verses and I'm like, I'm in charge. I go out and talk to my grass. No weeds. <laughs> I refuse to use a weed killer. Be blessed. Show me off. I'll show God off. Woo. Zapparoo. How many of you are with me? Like, I have revelation. I feel like I have interpretation, but I need application. You know, do I like go to the White House and go, you know, I'm supposed to be ruling you. Don't know what to say. I don't want you to move out right away. 30 days will be fine. By the way, I like the chef. Just keep him. Have you ever thought like you're reading these verses and you're like, you know, if I'm supposed to be like in charge of the world, I'm like, I'm having problems with my kids. <laughs> How many of you are like, like, I'm not really ready to rule a nation. I'm having a hard time with my house. You know, my wife don't even like me, you know. And she's supposed to be in charge with me. Do you know that when, when Adam received dominion, oh my goodness, this will really, I like this though. I like this stuff. When Adam received dominion, it says that Adam was created both male and female. Do you realize that when Adam was created male and female, it was male and female Adam that received the commission to take dominion of the earth and there was no Adam and Eve, it was Adam, male and female. Do you know when Eve lost her place and became put under Adam, it was in the fall. Even that creation is waiting. Of course, it cries out at home, so it's a little different. <laughs> you know, it calls your pastor. and It's just a thought. Listen, if you don't like mine, have one of your own. It's all right. And until you get one of your own, you can borrow mine. <laughs> Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Hey, you guys woke up a little bit at least. We should like make signs. Hang the banker. I'm no mercy on the banker. Listen to this. Verse 15 of, of Ephesians 1. For this reason I too... Oh, man. You know what? I'm sorry. We just have to read the whole chapter. I know it's just going to be late tonight, but it's all right. I'm off tomorrow. Paul, an apostle, and the 49ers won, so, man, I'm feeling anointed. 
They won two games, and I think that's more than they won all last year or something. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. People are leaving. It's going to get better. Grace to you. Everybody say grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has. Everybody say has. Blessed us. Everybody say blessed us. With every. Everybody say every. Spiritual. Blessing. In. The heavenly places. In Christ. Man, this is good. Verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the what? foundation of the world some of you think you got saved a month ago six months ago five years ago 15 he says no he chose you from the foundation of the world and listen to this just as he chose us in him in the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us you know what that means he chose you before you chose him i like that and he adopted us as sons through Christ Jesus according to his kind intention. Why did he do all that? Because he likes you and he's a nice person. Listen to this, verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace. I don't even know what that means, but it just sounds good. It's like one of those poem things. Which he freely bestowed on. Say this, he freely bestowed. Oh man, come on. He freely bestowed. Glory. And grace on me. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Man, this is good. Which he lavished on us. Turn to your neighbor and say, he lavished grace on you. Wait, it gets better. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mysteries of his will. Oh, God, I need to know your will. It says he made known. What am I supposed to be doing? He made known to you the mysteries of his will. According to his kind intention, which he purposed in him. Man, you know what that means? That means the will he has for you is good. It's his kind intention. The plan that he has for you is for, are you getting this? Da, 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 da. Oh man. With a view of administration suitable to the fullness of times. That is the summing up of all things in Christ and heaven. I don't even know what all that means. In him we also have obtained an inheritance. See? It's already in your account. I told you the banker lied to you. Look at this. In him we also have obtained an inheritance. Everybody say, I have obtained, I have obtained. an inheritance. I am a rich man, having, be, having been predestined according to the purposes who works, no, sorry, according to his purposes who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we were the first to hope in Christ would be the praise of his what? In him we also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, having also believed, we were sealed. Everybody say, I am sealed, I am sealed. in the Holy Spirit of promise who was given as a pledge of our inheritance. Man, that's good. That means you got a down payment already. You're going to be a multi-trillionaire and you've already received a million dollars of it. You got a pledge. You got a down payment. 
with view of redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. There it is. You know, he mentions glory six times in this chapter. For this reason, I, having heard the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, glory <laughs> I like that, may give you a spirit of what? And revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, look at this. He says all this crazy stuff to us. We lavish grace on us. You're full of glory, 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 glory. You were predestined for glory. He gave you glory. He gave you grace. He gave you a full inheritance. You have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Then he stops and he goes, we better pray about this. Because he says, listen to this. I'm about to tell you something. If I didn't pray for you, you'd never believe it. He already told us stuff we already believe. Look at the next verse. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. Do you know what that says? It doesn't say, remember we talked about a few minutes ago that you have an inheritance in Christ? He's not talking about you have an inheritance now. He's talking about that he has an inheritance and it's you. He goes, you're not even going to believe this. Listen, I better pray for you. Let's stop and pray. Oh, Jesus, I pray for a spirit of revelation and wisdom that you reveal the mysteries to them. Okay, here's the mystery. You are God's inheritance. You are not, you are not tolerated. You are celebrated. God thinks you are amazing. As a matter of fact, you are his inheritance, and he's your inheritance. Yeah. I am his. He is mine. His banner over me is... We used to sing it all the time. Listen, he is not thinking, oh, I have to put up with you. He's going, you are the people I've been waiting for for generations, for centuries, for the eons of ages. I have been waiting for you. I've been waiting for my beloved. My beloved is mine. I am his. He is my beloved. Listen, God is, he's in love with you. He's like passionately, he has this, like, I don't even know why he likes, no, he don't like you. He is in love with you. He is madly in love with you. He said, I'm going to give you, listen, I'm sitting on a throne. You can sit with me. I have all this stuff. You can have my stuff. Listen, I have all this glory and, and I made this creation and I made this creation for you. Like this is my wedding gift to you. This earth is like creation is like it wants to grow flowers and beautiful things so they can show off. My, my beloved bride, look at she's beautiful. I want to dress her up and make her look awesome because I want the earth to, to make her look awesome because she's my bride and she needs to look good for the wedding and God's says I love you and I think you're amazing not only that but I took everything listen everything everything I've ever made I thought you might as well just be in charge of it I just made you in charge of everything I've made I just like all the dominions under the whole heaven I'm just like this is my wedding gift to you you can you can have it it's all yours I don't it's listen I just I just want to lavish it on you I want you to take more than you well listen you want a little bit but I just want Oh, I just want you to have so much. You just go, oh, he's bringing more flowers. He's like, oh my goodness. I think he's brought me roses, like, like 50, 50, 50 dozen roses every day. He's like, don't give me, oh, I want to lavish more on you. I want to give you more. I want more. Oh, what do you like? Tulips. I'll bring you tulips. So I like, love tulips too. You can tiptoe through the tulips and I'll bring you more tulips. You want tulips. You like to like palm trees. I'll bring you palm trees. What is it you want? You like river ponds. I'll give you rivers and ponds. And you like animals. I'll give you so many animals. You can even name the animals. And you, they just they like you. You like them. You you can eat them if you want. I don't care what you do with them. I just like you. I just like you. 
I just like you.